I love it when the Lord gives me a catchy evangelistic title I could stretch over what he wants me to say. It's taken out of 1 Samuel chapter 17, beginning in verse 32. And the title of this message is The Lion, the Bear, and the Giant. The Lion, the Bear, and the Giant. Some of you pretty sharp theologians, you probably already see where we're going with this. But in 1 Samuel chapter 17, verse 32, is the story of David's confrontation with the Philistine giant known as Goliath. Now, just a little background for this before we jump into the middle of it in verse 32. Saul had been fighting the Philistines <clears throat> all his adult life. <clears throat> and um, he goes out to the battlefield against the Philistines. Philistines have come in and invaded Israel. Only this time, something different shows up in the form of a giant. And I mean the man was 10 feet tall. That is a big man. And it describes his armor, his sword, and his spear. And he was massive. It was like sending one man out against a human tank. And so Saul and his entire army are in their foxholes up on the side of a hill. And down on the floor of the valley is this 10-foot man that would come out every morning with his booming voice and shout up the hill at the, uh, at the army of Israel and at Saul. And he said, uh, I'll tell you what. He said, send me a champion to fight with me. I'll fight anybody you've got. Send them. If they kill me and defeat me, all of the Philistines will become your slaves and will serve you. But if I win, then you will become our slaves and serve me. And Saul was petrified and paralyzed with fear. And so were all of his men. Nobody could move. They were stuck for days listening to this. And he would get out there and he would curse the God of Israel. He'd curse God. He'd say bad things, bad mouth God. And um, uh, talk up his gods and taunt them every day. And one day, David comes, brings some lunch. David's brothers are in the army. David's keeping sheep at home. And he decides he wants to go see the battle, wants to see how it's going. And so he gets together some, goes, swings by Burger King, gets a sacks up some burgers, and goes out to the battlefield, expecting to see the battle. But instead, he's, he's asking the guys, why are your, your armors off? Your shields and swords are laying around. What's going on here? And they said, oh, you wouldn't believe it. And all of a sudden, the booming voice. Here he comes. Boom, boom, boom. Goliath comes out. And the booming voice, he starts cursing God. And then he starts calling them names. He says, David says, what is that? He said, and they told him what was happening. And they also said to him, they said, uh, Saul, King Saul, has offered money, a very handsome reward to anybody who will go out and fight this guy and defeat him. And not only that, Saul will give him a whole boatload of money, set him up for life, and he'll give him his daughter to marry. So he'll instantly be married into the, uh, the um, uh, royal family. So you could see Saul was obviously terrified. And David said, really? He said, well, this is not a problem. 
he said, uh, this, this, this guy is not a problem at all. I said, I'll take care of this for you. And so let's pick the story up at that point in 1 Samuel 17 and 32. David said to Saul, let no man's heart fail because of this giant. Your servant will go and fight with this Philistine. Saul said to David, you're not able to go out against this Philistine and fight with him for you're but a youth. And he has been a man of war from his youth. But David said to Saul, Your servant used to keep sheep for his father. And when there came a lion or a bear, he took a lamb from the flock. The lion or bear would come. They'd come uh, uh, periodically and just steal a lamb out of the flock. But I went after them and struck them and delivered the lamb out of their mouths. And if he arose against me, I'd catch him by the beard and strike him and kill him. Your servant has struck down both lions and bears. And this uncircumcised Philistine shall be like one of them. For he has defied the armies of the living God. And David said, The Lord who delivered me out of the paw of the lion and from the paw of the bear will deliver me from the hand of this Philistine. And when Saul heard that, he said, Go, and the Lord be with you. And we know what happened after that. All right. This is a tremendous story. There's a great message in it for you and I today. The lion, the bear, and the giant. First of all, David faced Goliath that day with what I would call victory-fortified faith. You ever bought cereal and they fortify it with vitamins as opposed to the stuff that's not. This is cereal's been tested and fortified. So he faces Goliath with victory-fortified faith that had been developed, listen to me, through daily use. By the time David was confronted with Goliath, he just saw him as another wild animal attacking the flock. That's exactly what he said, too, didn't he? He had told Saul, when I was keeping sheep, every once in a while a lion or bear would come flying out of the woods and just snatch up a sheep and go running off. I'd chase him. I'd deliver the lamb out of the mouth of the lion or the bear, and then I'd kill him if he turned against me. And he said... This guy has come out, and he's defying the armies of God. In effect, he's got a mouthful of God's people. He said, he's just going to be like one of those wild animals. I'll take care of him for you. Now, if you want to have giant-killing faith, say giant-killing faith. David had giant-killing faith. If you want to have giant-killing faith, how do you get it? Practice on the daily lions and bears. Practice on the lions and bears that rise up against you in your daily work, your daily lives. Deal with those things by faith. And when the day of Goliath arises, you'll have giant killing faith. This happened, um, this happened to come up when Jesus 
was sharing with his disciples and telling them what the cost of discipleship was. And they were a little overwhelmed at some of the things that he said. And so they came to Jesus and said, Oh Lord, in Luke 17, increase our faith. We, we need more faith. How many of you remember the answer that Jesus gave when they said increase our faith? Uh-huh. All right, good. Well, I wanted an opportunity to tell you anyway. So they said, Lord, increase our faith. And Jesus said, look, if you had faith as a grain of mustard seed, with that much faith, you could command that mountain to go into the sea, and it would go into the sea. However, let me explain to you, Jesus goes on to say, how faith works, how it becomes potent. He said, if you have a servant, you and your servant are out plowing in the field all day long, when you come in to eat, do you tell your servant, okay, you just shower up and go eat and everything and I'll, I'll take care of myself? He said, no. He said, if he's your servant, after you've worked all day in the field, you come in, you make him serve you. You make him feed you. You make him wash the dishes. You make him draw the bath. You make your servant take care of you. And what Jesus was saying is, if you have faith, great. Make your faith serve you. Whatever arises during the day, confront it with faith. You see, the thing is, most of us deal with life on a daily basis with our abilities, with our knowledge. And there's nothing wrong with using the abilities and the knowledge that God has given you, the resources he's, he's made available to you. But the problem with it is, if we do it without believing God, asking the Lord to come in and work through us in every situation, seeking God and believing according to the Word of God for the outcome in faith. Instead, we just have confidence in our own abilities. Faith remains undeveloped. So, Jesus says, if you want to have giant killing faith, you need to use it on a daily basis. Now, this is exactly what David said he had done. And so there's a little formula here. Daily faith used against daily threats produces something. It produces God's vision. Notice that Saul and all of the men in Saul's army saw Goliath as, a, um, as an indestructible force. But when David saw him, he saw Goliath as God saw him. In God's eyes... Goliath was just another threat. And when David saw him, he just said, he's just another wild animal. That's all he is. I've, uh, I used my faith against the lion on Thursday, the bear on Friday. Saturday, here comes Goliath. He's just another threat. Faith, if you use it on a daily basis to believe God in your life for everything you face, then when giant threats show up, it's just another threat. It's like the old saying about history. It's just one darn thing after another. After a while, the perspective of someone from an elevated perspective is that it's just one thing after another. It's just another threat. That's all that it is. David had said, Your servant struck down both lions and bears, and this uncircumcised Philistine shall be like one of them. He had that perspective. He was able to see this man that scared King Saul and all the soldiers into paralysis, but provoked David into action. 
When you've got faith that you use on a daily basis, you'll be provoked into action by the very things that paralyze other people with fear. So daily use trains your faith to view threats for what they really are as God sees them, which is just another threat. Praise the Lord. Faith has that, that ability. And you can tell that, uh, you can tell that Saul uh, never used his faith on a daily basis because he was used to fighting Philistines until the giant showed up. And then you know what? Saul went out trying to rent a man who had faith and put his faith in that man. He said, go find anybody, anyone in my army that believes they can take on Goliath, I'll pay him. Are you listening to me? I'll pay him. I'll give him, a, I'll give him, a, a, I'll give him half my wealth and one of my daughters to boot. And so he thought so. He thought it was a pretty good deal because he knew he didn't have faith for Goliath. His faith was scared into paralysis by Goliath, so he was willing to pay somebody to have faith. And you know, there's a lot of Christians doing that today. They're willing to pay somebody else to have faith when the day of the giant shows up. Are you listening to me this morning? Now, faith not used for daily battles turns into weak faith. Strong faith is developed through daily use. Use it for every battle every day, and every day is a battle. The thing is, you've gotten used to fighting most of those battles because you can fight them. And so it's not too strenuous. It doesn't take a lot out of you. But daily life is a battle. Jesus said, sufficient unto the day is the evil thereof. So every day there's evil in every day, but we absorb it. We have a kind of a built-in humanistic shock absorber. Our emotions, our mind, our abilities. And we absorb these shocks in life, but we don't do it through faith. How often do you get up in the morning and prepare yourself, putting on the whole armor of God, and then go out and meet the trials that you have to face before you've even gotten to work, much less once you're at work or dealing with things in life, and praying and believing God for everything that arises. You usually go through your day and at the end of the day wonder, why am I frustrated? Why am I so worn out? Faith rejuvenates and regenerates and it, and it leaves you not empty at the end of the day, but rejoicing at the end of the day. Joy produces faith. But when you deal with life apart from faith, it's, it takes all the human emotion and resource that you've been fighting your battles with and depletes them. So you drop into bed and start all over again the next day. So faith that is not used on a daily, on daily battles turns into weak faith. Or I've got another, I think more specific term. I call it seasonal faith. Oh, no. Yeah. Remember that from Thursday night? Seasons. Exactly right. We... We have faith that we trot out on special seasons. It's holiday faith. Praise the Lord. Are you listening to me? When a real bad situation comes up, then it's like, it's like when the Titanic was going down. And the captain's there with a, his first mate and all the other officers, and they're holding onto the rail as the ship's like this, about to go under, people uh, falling overboard, and one of them says, I think we need to pray. And another guy says, it's come to that, has it? 
That's holiday faith. That's emergency faith. And we whip out emergency faith, and then there's not enough life raft to save you. Emergency faith doesn't work. Are you listening to me? One of the greatest stories in Jesus' gospel about emergency faith, or what I call seasonal faith. And remember, seasonal faith is what your faith turns into when you don't use daily faith. Daily faith produces giant killing faith. Don't use your faith on a daily basis. Leave it on the shelf. It's what? Seasonal faith. And there's a great story about seasonal faith in John's gospel, chapter 5, about the lame man at the pool of Bethesda. Been laying there, what, about 38 years, I think the scripture said. And um, the Bible says in verse 4, John chapter 5, an angel of God. So this wasn't something the devil was doing. God was doing this, sent an angel down. And the Bible says an angel went down at a certain season. Everyone say certain season. Angel came down at a certain season, troubled the waters. All of a sudden, the waters would start swirling and turning. And there were dozens, maybe scores, of diseased and sick and crippled and lepers and around the pool, on, uh, uh, filling all the steps. And the first one to manage to fall in, roll in, uh, dive in, would get healed. And then that was it. So that healing season would come, boom, just a moment, first one in, boom, got healed. And then all the others that fell in would have to climb or drag or have someone pull their wet, sick, broken bodies out, wait for the next healing season. So the man's laying there waiting for the healing season that an angel would produce on the waters. And Jesus comes up behind him and says, who, who remembers what Jesus said? Will you be made whole? Will you be made whole? Simple question. Would you like to get healed? And the man answered him with seasonal faith. He said, well, when the waters start turning and the healing season begins, I don't have a man that can help me into the pool, so I'm never the first guy in. I've been here 38 years. And, I, and because I'm lame and I don't have a man, when the season starts, I miss it. Are you listening to me this morning? Because the lame man had trained his faith to depend on seasons and people. And, and you could say, well, it was a godly season. An angel was actually stirring the water. He was, what's wrong with laying there waiting for the, the season of healing to come? Well, there wasn't anything wrong with it until you ask, how, how successful are, have you been with that? How's that working for you? Well, it's not working very well. He's probably gonna, if he lives another 38 years, he's going to live another 38 years. He's probably not going to get into those healing waters. He's going to miss it. And then on top of it, he said, I don't have a man to help me. So just like Saul, he was paralyzed with seasonal faith. And faith that looked for a man. But how many of you know that Jesus doesn't wait for miracle seasons? Even if he sends the miracle season, he's waiting to see who's not going to sit, stand around and wait for evangelist so-and-so to rent the arena and have three miracle nights 
Are you listening to me? Oh, the meeting's over. They've packed up the tent. They've, they've left town. My opportunity's gone. Jesus allows seasons of rain, seasons of blessing. But beware. Don't allow your faith to be trained to follow seasons. Jesus doesn't need seasons. He doesn't use seasons and limit himself to the use of seasons. Jesus stood behind the man and he said, he offered to heal him. He said, will you be made whole even though it wasn't the healing season? It was clearly not the healing season. But the season maker had offered to heal him. Are you listening to what I'm saying this morning? And Jesus said to the man, rise, take up your bed, and walk. Proving that Jesus doesn't need to use special seasons. So who's going to have faith out of season? Anyone can have faith when the season's there. What about when it's out of season? Let me say to you today that there are lots of lame Christians laying around waiting for the miracle season. I'm going to try that again. This is a quiet church, man. I'll tell you, I preached this stuff Thursday night. They were shouting and yelling and everything. I think I could hear you blink. Are you listening to me? I'm hearing the fluttering of your eyes. What is wrong with you guys? The word is something you eat. You just don't sit and think about it. Uh, you know, I see some of you, I've, been, I've eaten with some of you. I know you get loud when you eat something you like. I've been out to restaurants, people are like, mmm, mmm, oh, that's good, yeah, mmm, mmm, mmm. My wife elbow, elbows me, do you have to be so loud about your food? And so, uh, you know, we, when we eat something we like, when we hear something we like, we get a little noisy about it. Can you say amen? Amen. Hallelujah. So there are a lot of lame Christians laying around waiting for a miracle season to come. Look, Christians love to take their theology and stuff it into seasons. Christians love to talk about seasons. The seasons of blessing are coming. Oh, seasons of refreshing are coming. I heard somebody prophesy, a healing season is coming. What's, what's wrong with you? What's going on? I'm in a dry season. Everything is explained by seasons. Oh, it's a dead season. It's a dry season. But you know, a season of rain is coming. I just pray I can hold out until, it's, until the season of revival comes. Even the way people pray for revival, as though it is some kind of a season that's going to, the weather, the divine weather pattern is going to bring a season of revival over your life. Honey, don't you know where the revival is? It's in you. 1 John 4, 4 says, Greater is he that is in you than he that is in the world. Praise the Lord. Hallelujah. Look, you're the best preacher you know. You're the surest prophet that you know. You start preaching to yourself, you'll start believing what you'll hear. Come on, somebody. Hallelujah. We wait for seasons of revival. Don't you know that you are the revival? You say, oh, man, I'm, I'm in a dry spell. I need to get to church. But the Bible says your body is the temple of the Holy Ghost. You've got a Bible, flip it open. You've got knees, get on them. You've got a voice, lift it up. 
Look, you've got all it takes to have revival in your closet. You don't need to be in church to have a revival. Somebody say praise the Lord if you know what I'm talking about. Hallelujah. I mean some people are so lazy if they could get a cat to breathe for them, they would. One thing about seasons, they all come to pass. They don't come to stay. And it came to pass. Have you ever noticed that? When you read in the Bible about various seasons, and it says, and it came to pass in the days of Caesar Augustus. But it never stays. Everything that comes passes. Seasons don't stay. They pass. But the Bible says Jesus has no season. Hallelujah. Not like the earth that spins night, day, night, day, awake, asleep. The earth that rotates around the sun creating seasons. Oh, the sun's up. Oh, no, the sun's gone. As you spin through life, it seems like, oh, God's on, now he's off, now he's on, now he's off. You understand? Seasons come to pass. But the Bible says in James chapter 1, with Jesus there is no shadow of turning. He's ever on. He's ever shining. His word is ever true. He is ever inclined to bless you. I will never leave or forsake you, he said. No matter what season you're in, I'm with you. Hallelujah. No matter what you go through, I'm with you. Are you with me? Hallelujah. Glory to God. So why did God create seasons? This is important because I'm warning you of a danger. And the danger is associating your faith with seasons, even though God creates the seasons, even though God sends the seasons and withdraws the season. The Lord wants you to be warned today. Do not tie and associate your faith with seasons, even though God created them. God is always looking to see who will look above the seasons, look above the horizon, and look to Him who never slumbers or sleeps, who there is no shadow of turning. That's what real faith is. It's knowing that no matter what seasons come or go, He never turns us back. He is always there. Behold, I stand at the door and knock. Praise the Lord. So let me tell you, um, God created, engineered, if you will, the reproductive birth, growth, death, birth, growth, death cycle that we call seasons. It's how in the world he manages and develops natural life. Plant, birth, growth, death. Plant, birth, growth, death. It's called the natural cycle. It's called a season and it's how the cycle of natural life is managed. But that's not the way spiritual life is managed. Spiritual life is ever beaming from the effulgence of the ever-living God. Hallelujah. He never rotates. He never has to rest up for a miracle. When you pray and fast and seek God, you're not getting God ready to heal you. You're not... You know, that was a really good opportunity right then, hallelujah, to shout amen. When you pray and praise the Lord, you're not energizing Jesus because he's gone into low energy mode. 
Are you listening to me? All you're doing is you're turning around and facing Him and letting the light of His power, the light of His love, the truth of His word shine into your heart. Hallelujah. And so David used faith every day. He saw the lion come. He saw the bear take a lamb. He just rose up and went after him in the name of Jesus. So finally, when the year of Goliath showed up and Goliath came out after him, he said, oh, just another big hairy animal. Glory to God. I've got this. This is just another bit of trouble. Hallelujah. You know, natural seasons come and go, and they take their opportunities and their resources with them. But God stays open long after the season closes. Look, when God wanted an Isaac, when God wanted a John the Baptist, he paid absolutely no attention to the out-of-order signs that were hanging over the wombs of Sarah and Elizabeth. Are you listening to me? Paid no attention to them. Whatever. Those old dried out mamas were just fine with God. He just needed their, he just needed their agreement. Hallelujah. Can you say amen? amen? Free your faith from seasons and put it back on Jesus. In summary, let me finish and wrap this up and bring this, bring this point to an action point. Saul had fought with Philistines without giants. For years, he fought Philistines without giants. Say that with me. Philistines without giants. So he was used to fighting daily Philistines. Philistines without giants. And he could handle those battles simply by relying on his military experience and the fact that God had installed him as king. And uh, so you and I, we go fight our daily battles with the resources that we have, and we give Jesus credit for it. We do it as a Christian. So the Lord's with me. I carry him in my heart. So as I go through my daily trials and daily battles, praise the Lord, I work, I earn money, I pay my bills, I get sick, I rest up, I do all these things. I'm going through life. I'm a good citizen. I'm walking upright. I'm letting my light shine for Jesus. And I'm fighting Philistines without giants. But I'm not using my faith. The only thing I'm using my faith for is to acknowledge that I'm a Christian, that Jesus lives in my heart. For the most part, most shepherds, when the bear comes charging out of the woods, they run up a tree. And they say, well, he's only going to take one lamb. I can, do, I can deal with the loss of a lamb. I'm not going to risk my life for a bear. How many things do you allow the occasional lion, the occasional daily bear, to come? It's part of life. It's the ups and downs of life. You let it happen. You don't take a stand like David took a stand and said, by God, you're not taking one of these sheep. You're not taking them. Even though I could do without a lamb, I'm not going to let you. are trying to rob God's sheep, and I'm not going to let you have one. Are you listening to me? I'm not going to put up with it. Not because, not because I won't have a job or there won't be sheep to take care of after you run back into the woods with the lamb that you've got. It's the principle of the thing. God's looking for people whose faith is tied to the principle of the thing. I'm not going to let the devil score a defeat against me. Faith is the victory that overcomes the world, not just being enduring. Are you listening? And so, you know, Saul was... uh, 
Saul was used to fighting, as I said, um, Philistines without giants. And he could do it with the fact that he was called by God to be the king and with whatever resources he had. But one day Goliath showed up. Everything changed. And can I tell you this morning that Saul was completely unprepared for Goliath. He was completely unprepared for, for giant Philistines because he had spent all his time fighting regular Philistines and not using his faith to do it. If he had used his faith to fight regular Philistines, when the giant Philistines showed up, he would have said, just another Philistine. Hello? Are you listening? Just another Philistine. David, on the other hand, said, oh, I fought, I fought Philistine bears. I fought Philistine lions. This is just another bear. This is just another lion, see? Amen? Amen. So, uh, you know, when the, when the giant season came upon him, he had no, he had no faith for it and, uh, because he hadn't used that faith in his daily battles. Listen, faith that is left on the shelf until the giant shows up is called hope. Well, I hope so. I'm believing God. I, I sure hope something works out. Are you, it's called hope. It's called kicking the can down the road. Because hope is for tomorrow. There's nothing wrong with hope. But when you've got a giant in your face, hope ain't going to get it. When you've got trouble right now, you know what, you know what God has given you to deal with the right nows with? Hebrews chapter 11 says, now faith is the substance of things hoped for. It's fine to hope, but hope is off in the future. Faith is for right now. Do not be lulled into a false confidence because you've been able to handle regular Philistines. A false confidence just leaves your faith up on the shelf because I got this. I can handle this. God has blessed me. And you think that's faith. It's seasonal faith is what it is. The Goliath season is coming. If the Goliath season hasn't knocked on your front door yet, get ready. Because it is going to knock. It comes to everybody. The giant season, the Goliath season will come. Just because it hasn't come, it will come. And when that day comes, you know, fortunate for Saul, David was around. Fortunate. What would he have done had, had there not been a man that had true giant-killing faith? So let me wrap all of this up and present it to you in an actionable item. The Goliath season is coming. And there may be somebody here, and you might say, well, I'm kind of in a Goliath season right now. There's a giant at the door taunting me on a daily basis. Child of God, here is my question for you this morning. You can pray for a David, or you can be the David. It's your choice. You can pray that God send a man, or you can be the man. Jesus came to make you the man. Now, God is merciful, and he proves his mercy by sending an angel to stir the waters. I thank God for the little revivals that do break out and happen. We sing songs about them. We write books about them. People stand around and say, oh, my God, the Scottish revival. Ooh, 
Oh man, oh the Pentecostal revival at the turn of the century. Oh the Jesus revival. I'd give anything to go back to the old days. We need that Jesus movement back again. What you need is Jesus. Amen. You know, the stirring of the waters is great and God, God provides that. But it, all, it always only touches a few people. But everybody, everybody has access to Jesus. So, be the David. God has come to make you the David in your life. Hallelujah. And the faith he's installed in you is the faith that was in Jesus. It's the faith of God. It's the faith that operated in Peter when he said, Silver and gold have I none, such as I have. Give I Same faith, exact same faith, same Holy Ghost. You're trusting the same word. There's not a different Holy Ghost. There's not a different anointing. Same anointing. There have been more books. People have listened to messages. They've watched TV shows about so-and-so's so special anointing. And you've allowed yourself to be convinced that somebody's got something you don't have. And I'm here to tell you that when it comes to seasons and certain impartations, yeah, maybe some people do. Maybe, maybe somebody is closer to that pool when it starts stirring. But you have the one thing that trumps everything, and that is Jesus. Hallelujah. The Jesus season is here. Glory to God. If you today... Think that God has you in his rearview mirror. Think again. The Lord is not looking to raise new people up for a new season. Jesus' season never closed. Amen. Your season's still open. Your best days are still ahead of you. Come on, close your Bible and stand with me this morning. Hallelujah. I hope that uh, you've heard something today to inspire your faith that you are the man, you are the woman of God in your situation. In fact, let me say it to you like this. You are the best vessel in your situation. Now, God could send apostle so-and-so. God could send Billy Graham or God could send you, put anybody's name in you want to. But they would be less than you. Christ in you is what? Christ in you is the hope of glory.